All right, we are back with another episode of the John Williams Show. It has been a few weeks. Life has been a little crazy here as a gym owner. Uh, I'm just trying to stay afloat every single day. Uh, it's definitely tough to own a gym uh, by yourself, right? When you have an entire you know studio that you lease your own and you have to take care of it. You have to water the plants. You have to do all the vacuuming on top of coaching every single class. So it's definitely been a bit much, but that doesn't mean that I can't do this podcast more frequently. So hoping to get back to weekly podcasts. And also, if you don't already, go check me out on Instagram because I post highlights of the podcast on Instagram, but I also post an Instagram reel every single day that gives you these quick snippets of fitness advice that are often, you know, I think pretty useful for most people most of the time. So if you like the podcast, you like hearing sort of this short form or I guess medium form conversations about practical advice on how to be healthier and be more fit, go check out my uh, Instagram because I have even shorter form videos on how to do the same thing. A lot of the podcast topics I actually have are broken down into little like 30, 45 second uh, clips um, that I sort of demonstrate some exercises and, and go into some details there. But as far as what we're talking about today, we're talking about how to train your core. So a lot of people know your core is the six pack that you have on your stomach. I don't need to baby you guys. You guys kind of get uh, some of these things if you listen to this show and you've listened to past episodes. What I'm going to do in this episode is answer three primary questions, which is what are what muscles make up the core? What types of core training do you need to increase core strength? And then do you need core training to get a six-pack? So if you want the look of a strong core, do you actually need to do any core training at all in order to achieve that? At the end of the podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide you some super actionable advice to add core training into your workouts in a way that doesn't suck. So stay tuned for the end of the episode because I'll be going over how can you incorporate core training in ways that doesn't suck. Um, and you know, how can you make it so that you're not like, you know, ending your workout with 15 minutes of crunches or something boring like that. So I'll be able to get you away from doing those sorts of sucky things. So the first question is what muscles make up the core? And I'm going to describe these each in relative detail. There are smaller muscles that I'm not going to get into, but I want to talk about the primary ones, especially the primary ones that you see, uh, you know, showing on somebody's stomach when they have um, when they have like the you know the six pack that we think of. The first muscle is the rectus abdominis. The rectus abdominis is the traditional six pack muscle that you see. So the rectus abdominis is this shin this thin sheath of muscle that goes from the bottom of your sternum and the, the bottom rib cage uh, in the front down to your pelvis. So this sheath of muscle is, it's like, you know, some muscular fibers and then a lot of connective tissue that go down in a straight line towards your pelvis from your sternum. And they act, it actually has uh, these connective tissue sort of riblets in between. And these gaps, these connective tissue gaps in the muscle fibers is what causes the look of the six pack when you see somebody's abs. So the rectus abdominis, that's what that muscle is. And what it does primarily is trunk flexion. So it picks you up from a lying position. So if you're laying down on the ground and you do a crunch, the primary muscle 
of flexion is going to be that rectus abdominis. Your next two muscles also help in trunk flexion. They're your internal and external oblique. These are the muscles you might see, these cross fiber muscles, where if you see somebody who's really jacked, they're going to have these fibers, these abdominal fibers on their outside, uh, you know, sort of a, above their hips. They're going to have these cross directional fibers uh, down, pointing either down or up towards their uh, pelvis. The ones that point down, that's your external oblique, so the fibers that point down, these come from your rib cage to your pelvis. And then the other ones, they come up the other way, so they sort of cross, uh, is your internal oblique. If you do a side plank and you feel the side of your abs working, these are your obliques working too, so they help in what we call side bending. So if you're just going to like flex your whole body to one side or the other, your obliques are going to do that. So like doing a side bend, if you hold a dumbbell in one arm, sort of bend to one side and then pull up, the muscle on that lateral side is that oblique. That's what you're going to be feeling there. These are also major muscles of rotation. So if you're doing rotational core exercises, these muscles are going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Your last uh, primary, ab what we call an ab abdominal wall core muscle, is your transversus abdominis. Your transversus abdominis uh, goes, it, it sort of wraps around your stomach like a corset. And what this muscle does, it does, um, uh, it does uh, compression of your abdomen. So the transversus abdominis, excuse me, sorry. I'm going to grab some water real quick before I continue on. One of the reasons, too, I haven't done a podcast in a while is because I lost my voice over the weekend. You can hear I'm, I'm, still a little, I'm still a little stuffed up from the experience. It was getting worse and worse on Saturday. And, you know, finally towards the end of the day, I had just been talking all day, like coaching classes. And then by the end of the day, I just I literally couldn't speak at all. It was just painful to speak. I called my dad to wish him a happy birthday because it was his birthday over the weekend. And that was the last person I spoke to all day. And then on Sunday, I had one person come in to train and I tried to speak to her and I tried to like coach her up and it was just terrible. So I was like, all right, I'm mostly just going to point at things and you're going to do what you need to do because fortunately she's a more experienced client. Um, but let's go back to the transverse abdominis because you don't care about my, my voice and, and its condition. The transverse abdominis, like I said, this wraps around your abdomen like a corset. And because of the fiber direction, it's going to compress your, uh, your abdomen. So it's going to compress all of the contents of your abdomen. If you've ever heard of uh, the Valsalva maneuver, um, this maneuver, when you sort of like hold your breath and squeeze tight when you're doing a deadlift, this Valsalva maneuver um, actually helps engage the transverses abdominis as well as the diaphragm, but that's uh, it's a conversation for a different day. And that compression of the abdomen with the transverse abdominis helps stabilize your spine when lifting really heavy things. It, uh, the transverse abdominis helps a little bit in rotation, but not much. Um, the fibers are sort of straight across, so they don't attach in a way that really helps you know, pull your trunk to one side or the other. You know, and then they help a little bit too in, in trunk flexion, but since the fibers are straight across the abdomen, right, they go, uh, they go horizontally, they're not really going to help pull the rib cage towards the pelvis at all. But they do help a little bit in trunk flexion and a little bit in rotation as well. But the primary goal of the transverse abdominis is to do uh, ab ab abdominal uh, compression. So now you sort of have an understanding of what core muscles exist. And to go from there, what we want to talk about is hey, how do you actually increase the strength 
and the definition of these muscles. So when we talk about definition, we're talking about how much do the muscles show through your skin, right? When we talk about muscle definition, when we talk about strength. We're talking about, Hey, how much can these, uh, can these muscles lift? How long can they last? Um, how much do they, uh, increase stability to the areas that they attach to? And when we talk about core training and what sort of core training should you do to increase core strength and definition, there's really three types. There's rotation, there's flexion, and then there's anti-extension. And I know that all probably sounds confusing, especially like the flexion, the anti-extension thing, but it's really not as hard as you, as confusing as you think, and we'll walk through all of this in depth. So when we talk about rotation, rotation is going to help increase muscular coordination as well as stability. And the reason we want muscular coordination is when we go to do something complex, let's say throw a baseball, we want our upper and lower body to be really coordinated. That way we're nice and efficient. This is going to increase the amount of power we can put out, so how fast we can throw the ball, and then also how stable and injury-free we are. Right? When I go to throw a baseball, I don't want to throw out my shoulder. When I throw a baseball, I don't want to throw out my hamstring because I was trying to throw the ball really hard. And I had no coordination between my upper and lower body. Rotational training is going to help improve this coordination, especially if you do really good rotational training, right? If you're not just mindlessly doing wood chops and you're really actively doing uh, different types of rotation that really help, um, that are really uh, built for these certain movements. We're not going to get too in-depth in some of those things today. However, uh, really good rotational training will yield really good muscular coordination. This is also going to help improve your strength on your primary lifts, so squats, deadlifts, uh, bench press, even though these are single planar exercises, right? A squat is just up and down in the frontal plane. A deadlift, same thing. Bench press, same thing. Uh, even though these are just, you know, these single plane exercises, having transverse plane or rotational plane uh, capabilities is going to make you more stable, therefore incre increasing the strength of the foundation on what you're lifting upon and then ultimately increasing your efficiency, increasing your strength, sort of in that order. The other thing, which I've sort of touched on, is increasing uh, rotational ability is going to increase stability at your hip uh, and your trunk. And this increased stability is going to decrease injury risk. It's also going to decrease pain just in general. So if you deal with lower back pain, one of the things you can do is do a lot of rotational training. You're going to increase stability at your hips and your, uh, and your pelvis and your abdomen and your thoracic spine. Therefore, decreasing the amount of pain that you have from most causes of lower back pain. Now, what does rotational training look like? Well, I mean, you've probably seen people do uh, wood chops in the gym using a cable or a band. You've seen people doing what we call pal-off presses or anti-rotation presses with the cable or a band. Uh, these are good rotational exercises as long as you do them well, right? You really want to try to integrate the upper and lower body in rotational training and what you want to do when you do rotational training. Now, you can add bending, right, bending side to side into rotational training. But what you want to do is try to eliminate bending as much as possible because you want it mostly to be purely rotation on the, the vertebrae and the spine uh, and rotation of the hips, right, internal, external rotation at each leg. And I know that all sounds confusing, right? I'm not going to go super in-depth into specific exercises. You can go check out my Instagram if you want to see some specific rotational exercises. I actually put up a video recently. Goes over 
what I call AOS and POS rotational exercises and how they're different and how you can incorporate them into your training. So rotation, anti-rotation, again, pressing, uh, rotating with a band or a cable is really going to be the best way to do it. You can also do some medicine ball tosses, right, rotating across your body, throwing to a partner, throwing it at a wall. These are going to be other examples of rotational training, and these are all great to add into your current exercise routine. The other two things we're going to talk about are flexion and anti-extension. So flexion is real simple. This is just getting up from a seated position or a lying position. An example would be crunches. Example would be sit-ups, right? These, uh, you know, if I'm on, let's say, a decline bench with my feet hooked in, um, I might have a medicine ball at my chest and I might be flexing up and then lowering back down to the bench. That is an example of flexion. The primary um, muscles acting here are going to be your rectus abdominis and your uh, obliques to help you with flexion. The other type of core training that's sort of similar to flexion is anti-extension. So this is going to be your dead bugs, your planks, um, these sorts of things. One thing we haven't talked about is bending, so we'll talk about that uh, here momentarily. But flexion, anti-extension, these are really going to help you also increase muscular coordination, also increase stability, but you know more in the in the uh, what we call sagittal plane. So the the plane when you look at somebody from the side, you know, like yeah, I guess when you look at somebody from the side, um, that plane of movement. Right, going up and down, making sure you don't arch your low back too much when you squat and when you deadlift. That is what flexion anti-extension exercises are going to do. They're going to help increase the stability at your pelvis so you don't over-arch and overextend your lower back um, and get you nice and strong there. It's also going to help you uh, really stabilize well when you do explosive things. So when you do explosive things like a, like a jump, right, having good uh, anti-extension ability is really going to help you jump higher. That way your hips are extending really aggressively and you're not just getting that extension from your lower back. So those are the benefits of flexion anti-extension. We've talked now about fl- uh, rotation, flexion, and anti-extension as far as core training goes, but we also have bending, which is something I didn't talk about. This is something the obliques primarily do, right? This is uh, you know your cable side bends, your dumbbell side bends, where you're just sort of leaning to one side and up. This is also anti-bending, where we take... You know, we lie uh, on our side and we do a side plank. So the benefits of anti-bending are, you know, you're going to, again, increase stability at the pelvis and the lower back. I get we're being pretty redundant here, but this is just a fact of the matter when it comes to core training. This is what we're working on is primarily stability. Um, And this anti-bending is going to help you, especially when you're doing uh, exercises that require you be, you to be on a single leg, or let's say I'm doing some forward lunges down the gym, you might notice that you're right now uh, leaning to one side or the other every time you step on one leg and then switch sides. Doing some anti-bending or bending exercises is going to allow you to be more stable, more upright, and then allow your lower body to work more efficiently. So that's it. What does the core do? How do you train for it? Um, how do you get it more definition? We're going to do some rotational training. We're going to do some flexion training. We're going to do anti-extension. We're going to do bending. What this is going to look like, we're going to do some you know, wood chops. We're going to do some anti-rotation presses or some people call them pal-off presses. We're going to do flexion, anti-extension. So we're going to do some crunches. We're going to do some dead bugs. We're going to do some planks. Then we're going to do some anti-bending and bending exercises like, uh, like a dumbbell side bend or a side plank. These are all exercises you can do to increase your core strength and increase definition. 
but we're going to get a little bit more specific into the whole definition concept here in just a moment. So what do you need to do for your core training in order to get abs? And really, do you need to do core training in order to get abs, right? That's the thing that most people care about is, hey, do I even need to do this? It's like the worst part of my workout is I've just worked really hard. I've done a whole bunch of squats and leg extensions and leg curls and all these other things. And now at the end, I'm supposed to do 10 minutes of core to finish it off. Do I need to do this to get abs, right? Because most people are focused on body composition when it comes to exercise. Although I think that's probably not the best focus, although it's a good one. So I would say yes and no. Do you need to do core training? Yes and no. I personally don't do a ton of isolated core training um, like the stuff I've described, although I do a little bit of it. Um, I mostly give it to my clients because they always ask for it. And if I took it out of the programs, I would freak out. Um, but the first step if you want to get abs is to decrease your body fat percentage using an effective diet. So trying to cut out a lot of added sugars trying to take your carbohydrates, make sure they're lower GI, lower glycemic index carbohydrates. This is a conversation we can have another day about, you know, what, what you should be eating as far as, um, as far as like uh, carbohydrates are concerned, but really just trying to stick to meat, fruit, vegetables. That way you really optimize your body composition. That's going to be the first step because if you have a whole bunch of fat layered over your stomach, I don't care how strong your core is. Uh, you're just never going to see those abs. Look at strong men, right? Look at, look at the guys who do these strong men, competitions look at these really big power lifters they take off their shirts you can't see one ab uh, from another yet they obviously have a super strong core if they're squatting 1100 pounds the reason they don't you don't see their abs is just because they're um they have a whole bunch of body fat covering it a really good example of this actually is eddie hall so eddie hall recently i don't know if he still competes i think he does a little bit in the strong man the powerlifting stuff but if you look at eddie hall now versus when he was really competing at his heaviest weight, he has really massive uh, abdominal muscles. And you can really see these with his rectus abdominis, right? Those, that the six-pack mu- six muscles, where, you know, when he was competing, you really couldn't see anything at all. But now that he's slimmed down a whole bunch, he has these massive hypertrophied uh, rectus abdominal uh, blocks in his stomach simply because his core is just that massive. Um, that even though he's still probably pretty high body fat percentage, even after he slimmed down a little bit, um, his core is just so hypertrophied and so the muscles there are so large that you can now see them uh, now that he's slimmed down a bit. So, you know, just because a power lifter, you can't see their abs, doesn't mean they don't have way more jacked abs than the, the really, uh, you know, cut up sprinter we see on, on television running the 100 meter dash in the Olympics. Uh, they probably have a, actually a stronger core than those guys. Uh, so the second step to uh, getting abs, right? It's again, most of it is about decreasing body fat percentage, but the second step is actually using your core training to increase hypertrophy of your abdominal muscles. So we just talked about Eddie Hall and how he has really big hypertrophied abdominal wall muscles. What you want to do in order to increase the size of these muscles, we we talked about you know rotation and how this increases coordination and it increases stability. We talked about anti-extension, how it increases stability. We talked about anti-bending and how it increases stability. But if you want hypertrophy, if you want muscle building at your abs, right? You want them to really show once you've cut down on your body fat, you kind of have to treat your core training more like your hypertrophy style, muscle building style workouts where you're doing actual repetition. So you're primarily going to get core training, you know, aesthetic results from active movements like flexion and bending. So doing dumbbell side bends, doing crunches, doing uh, leg raises, hanging leg raises, right? 
hanging knee raises. And then what you want to do is you want to do sets of you know, 8 to 15 reps with slow tempos, just like you would do a bicep curl to try to get bigger biceps. You're not going to do you know 25 reps to get really big biceps on a bicep curl. You're going to do 6 to 12 repetitions, and you're going to make that tempo really slow. We talked about this with the How to Build Muscle, muscle episode, which you can go back and check out. Um, but you want to do these really slow eccentric, right? These negative movements. So when you're doing a hanging leg raise and you raise your legs up, the lowering movement is where you're going to get those hypertrophy benefits. Uh, So you actually want to treat, if you want hypertrophy muscles, you have to treat it like hypertrophy style training where you're going to hypertrophy, you're going to do muscle building exercises with these abdominal exercises and planks and rotation. Although those are great for stability and I have that's the primary way that I have my clients train. That's the primary way that I do um, core training. That's not going to be the best thing to get you these uh, these hypertrophy results when it comes to your abs. But they'll help, right? They'll really help. But they're mostly for muscular endurance. So what can you do now to add in core training in a way that is effective towards your goal, which is most likely aesthetics, but it's also probably, hey, I want to be a bit more functional as well, in a way that doesn't suck. In a way where you're not just doing 10 to 15 minutes of crunches or like three sets of planks at the end of your workout. Here's what I would say. and Here's how I build my programs here for my clients at the gym is you want to build your core training into your sets of your accessory exercises. So what I mean by that is let's say you're, you've done your deadlifts, you've done your, uh, your, your next major exercise. Let's say it was a seated hamstring curl and now you're moving on to your accessory movements. Let's say you're doing some calf raises. Let's say you're doing some maybe like a hamstring stability ball uh, curl. Okay, well, now with that hamstring stability ball curl, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my 15 reps or whatever it was of my hamstrings, and then I'm going to jump on, flip over, and do some plank rollouts with my forearm on the stability ball for my core. So when I get down to the end of my program and I'm doing my last like four accessory movements for the day, instead of doing a rest period, maybe I'll do a little bit of rest period, but not much, I'll do some core training mixed in. Let's say I'm doing some cable bicep curls, uh, you know, using a cable machine and a, and a rope. What I'm going to do is in between, I'm just going to raise that rope up and then do some rotation, do some wood chops, do something like that while I'm, I'm doing my cable curls. The benefit of this is now you can mix in your core training uh, and you don't have to throw it in at the end. You're using your rest periods more effectively. And at the same time, you're not going to fatigue the muscle that you're primarily trying to work on. So if I do some wood chops, in between my bicep curls, well, okay, guess what? I can still train my bicep curls just as hard. They're going to be getting the rest they need before we go back at it. And if I'm doing these plank rollouts, I'm not working my hamstring so I can flip back over and now do my hamstring curls and sort of flip-flop between the two. That's the way I do it for my clients. It works out really well. They enjoy it. They feel like their core is getting trained hard, but we're also not wasting time at the end of the exercises doing like flutter kicks and and sort of just wasting our time there. Um, I would say try to integrate the core training two to three days a week. You know, if you're training more, let's say you're training five to six days a week, try to do it three. If you're training, you know, three to four days a week, try to do it two. Uh, And that's going to get you as far as hypertrophy goes, as far as like the aesthetic goes, that's going to get you the results you're looking for. You don't really need more than that, especially if your strength training comprises of heavy lifts and heavy movements because your core is also going to be getting trained from those heavy movements. Again, like I said, I don't do much core training. However, I do have a strong core. And at the same time, I mean, 
you can go on my Instagram and you can judge for yourself, but I feel like, uh, you know, my, my core does look uh, okay with my shirt off, but that's it. That's all I have on the topic of core training. Actually, that's not true. I have a lot more on the topic of core training. If you'd like me to make another episode on the things that I missed, I could definitely do that. But I feel like this was a good, you know, like a core training 101 sort of podcast. So if you're interested, again, go check out my Instagram. It's at John Williams XYZ, uh, just like my name is on here on Colin and then also on Twitter at John Williams XYZ. If you want to see my Instagram reels that have, you know, these really actionable small bits and pieces of uh, advice for you to work out to. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening in. And uh, yeah, let me know if like in three, four months, if this helped you get the six pack you're looking for. Thanks guys. Bye.